hungry. Hey there, it's me, Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. If I sound a little different, well, it is a little different this week on To The Right Thing. I am recording this in New York. I'm on the road promoting the brand new Hungry Girl cookbook. I'm so excited about it. It's Hungry Girl Simply Six. And so I don't have my pals Mikey and Jamie with me today, which is a little sad. Um, But this week, we are bringing you Myth Blasting with my close personal friend, Robert J. Davis, who is also known as the Healthy Skeptic. He is always around, always helping us blast myths and giving us the skinny and the 411 on so many topics. And this week in the Myth Blasting episode, March edition, we are discussing a lot of great topics. We're talking about matcha, sparkling water, the truth about apple cider vinegar, and also we're going to touch on milks, dairy milk versus non-dairy milk and all the differences. So this is going to be a great episode. Thanks to Robert, and I think you're going to love it. So let's just uh, jump right into the interview. Okay, Robert, are you ready to blast some myths? I am ready. All right, or at least discuss topics of interest. We're going to start with something that is near and dear to my heart because this is something I do every day like all day, I drink sparkling water. And I have heard from several people, probably the people who see me enjoying my Perrier all the time, that sparkling water is not as good for us as regular flat water. And let me know what you think about that. Well, you you don't need to listen to the killjoys there. Uh, The good news is that sparkling water is a perfectly healthy and good thing to drink. Um, There are several rumors we often hear about problems with sparkling water. One, surprisingly, is that it leads to weight gain. That's, uh, you know what? I never even heard that one. And I'm, you're blowing my mind here. So tell me a yeah, little more so about there, that. You can read stuff on the internet about that. That is based on one study, mainly on one study, that was done in young men that found that men who drank carbonated water had higher levels of a hormone called ghrelin. Now, this is the hunger hormone that stimulates appetite. And so based on that, people concluded that, well, it must lead to weight gain. The problem is that the study and no other study found that drinking the water actually causes people to eat more food or to gain weight. So really at this point, it's just speculation. And in fact, the opposite could occur because the carbonation could actually make you feel more full and therefore eat less. So there's really no evidence for that particular claim. So they went as far as to test the hormone levels of this hormone that's supposed to make you hungrier, but then they never followed through and tested the actual uh, behaviors of the people that had the raised hormone levels? Right. So far, no one has done that. So that's it, crazy. Yeah. So you really can't conclude anything definitive. We should do from this. That. That would, be a good, that? that would be a good follow-up study. But they only tested men. They didn't test women's hormone levels? Right. For men and rats. So, you know, uh, I think you, if, you, if you decide that it makes, uh, if, if it leads to fat rats, then maybe you, you're concerned about that. That's an issue. But for most of it, it's not a concern. Okay. And what about the people who say that sparkling water is not good for your teeth, that it like does something to the enamel? Is that true? Yeah, that's something that you often hear. And, and in fact, it is true that uh, sparkling water has more acid. It has higher acid levels than flat water. And it's true that acid higher levels of acid can erode your tooth enamel. And so the concern has been that drinking sparkling water leads to erosion of tooth enamel. Now, the issue, though, is that it's really not that high in acid. It's about comparable, many waters at least, to orange juice, 
which is somewhat more acidic than regular water, but not terribly acidic. So there's no direct evidence that it actually erodes your tooth enamel. But for people that are sensitive or concerned about it, there are some things you can do to reduce the acidity level. Uh, for example, the kind of water I know you drink, which is sparkling mineral water like Perrier, that's actually lower in acid. It's actually of, among the lowest kinds of sparkling water in acid because it has minerals in it. Uh, and the minerals tend to lower the acid level. The same thing with club soda. Um, that has added minerals, and so that tends to be lower in acid. Um, also, try to avoid, if you're concerned about this, things that have added citrus flavors, things like lemon and lime. Oh, good. I don't like those anyway. Right, because those tend to raise the acid level. Um, also, eating food with sparkling water tends to lower the acid level in your mouth. So if people are concerned about that, you probably don't want to sip uh, water all day long with no food because that is going to result in more acid in more your More acid and then tooth enamel erosion. So, by the way, when you do have tooth enamel erosion, who tells you that? Your dentist or can you feel it? No, your dentist would tell you. It means that it could be leading to cavities. And so um, that's something that if you're prone to cavities, you want to watch out for. Okay. So when you're going to drink your sparkling, sparkling water, you get to have a snack too. So that's a good thing. Right. Um, and why do people think that sparkling water contains sodium? I hear all the time. It's like, don't drink that. It has so much sodium. But if you flip the label around it doesn't have sodium. Where did that come from? Maybe just because there are minerals that are in it, either, as I said, in Perrier, they're naturally occurring or they're added and sodium is a mineral, but there's not enough really to make a difference if there is sodium added. Okay. But as far as um, how it hydrates you and how your body processes it and if it is as good for you, you say go for it and drink the sparkling? It's Yes, similar? it's just as hydrating as regular water. Uh, the only concern might be is if you have certain stomach issues, the carbonation from sparkling water, just like the carbonation from any carbonated beverage, any soda, anything else, may be upsetting to certain people's stomachs. But other than that, it's a great thing. If that's what you prefer, go for it. Great. I love hearing that. All right, moving on to another topic that I feel like this is all about me today, but there's something that is becoming so hot right now, and I just read an article that matcha is the new coffee. So in 2019 and beyond, everyone's just going to be drinking matcha like it's going out of style. And personally, my husband actually has been obsessing over matcha. I have to make him these special iced green tea lattes with all of my special Hungry Girl ingredients, but that matcha powder, I was so intrigued by it because I wasn't really sure what it was. I wasn't sure what it was made of exactly. And I know it's green tea that is now in powder form. But when I was doing my research, matcha seems to be like the most magical ingredient on the planet. I have read that it boosts your metabolism, that it's loaded with antioxidants like EGCG. You'll tell me what that is in a minute. That it actually burns calories. It calms your mind. It relaxes your body. It helps you concentrate and enhances your mood. I mean, will it drive you to the airport? <laughs> like, is, it, is any of this true? Um, I would say it is a little bit true, some of these things. Uh, so... First of all, the difference between matcha and other green teas is you think about the way most teas work. You put the tea bag, you put the tea leaf in the water, and then you drink the water. With matcha, what's different is that you actually, as you say, you have a powder. It's ground up leaf that's put into the water. So it's the whole leaf. It's the whole leaf. So you're getting more of the leaf. So some people say it's maybe more healthful because of that. We know that green tea has certain health benefits or at least seems to with regard to heart disease. Uh, diabetes, other things. So the idea is if you get the whole leaf, perhaps that's more helpful. The thing you mentioned there, this antioxidant, EGCG, it's an antioxidant that thoughts, it, that's thought to have benefits. Um, green uh, uh, matcha tea is higher 
in this antioxidant than other green teas. Interestingly, it's also a little higher in caffeine than other green teas. And so studies in the past have shown that this combination of caffeine and EGCG can increase fat burning a little bit. Wow. Not, not by very much, and the studies don't show a huge difference, but they, they do show overall that green tea, perhaps because of this, likely because of this combination, can lead to slight, uh, slight increase in fat burning and greater uh, weight loss. So the thinking is that it's because uh, matcha is higher than both of these, it might be more beneficial when it comes to weight loss. That's unproven. It's theoretical. But that's one of the things that's uh, believed about that. I would like to believe that. Um, but what is EGCG exactly? It's an antioxidant um, that is uh, thought to have uh, beneficial properties with regard to chronic diseases. Again, whether this really makes a difference when we consume it is unclear, but at least it's thought to make a difference. Something else something else that uh, matcha tea has is more of a, an amino acid called L-theanine. And L-theanine is uh, thought to have this, what's called... Um, this relaxed alertness kind of effect. People, when they talk about matcha, they say it causes relaxed alertness, where you feel is, more alert but sort of calm at the same time. What is that? I don't know. Isn't that like... It seems like an oxymoron, like an right? Ox- that's the but word, this an kind of calming, but, but this kind of calming effect that makes you more... Uh, your brain work better, improving the way your brain works. And so um, that's sometimes attributed to this amino acid that it has. But that's not proven? That's not proven either. And certainly all these other claims you're talking about, that it's good for your skin, it's good for uh, all these other things, um, all that at this point is just speculation. But if you like the taste, go for it. I was going to say. There's nothing wrong with drinking it, and it certainly uh, has the same benefits as other green tea, and as I said, possibly some additional benefits. And it's low in calories too. So like the packets I get, I have to add a little Hungry Girl stuff in here, five calories each. If you want like a nice iced matcha latte you use two of those packets and eight ounces of i like almond vanilla like unsweetened vanilla almond milk a tiny bit of water i usually just dissolve the matcha in there and i use like a truvia packet you don't need to make it super sweet then load it up with some ice and it's so good for like uh, hardly any calories it's a nice color too it is i love green okay next (laughs) the next thing we need to talk about which is Another crazy popular like hot button issue right now is apple cider vinegar. There are Hungry Girl staffers, there are Hungry Girl fans, people I just meet on the street that are all about apple cider vinegar. They say it's good for weight loss, they say it's good for digestion, they I don't know, they they just like rave about it. What is the real truth about that? Yeah, well, a lot of people ask me about this. There are uh the, the first of all, a lot of people as you say take it for weight loss. And there's actually uh, one study that suggests it may have some benefit. There was a Japanese study that found that people who drank one or two tablespoons a day of apple cider vinegar lost a few more pounds, two to four pounds over three months, than people who did not have apple cider vinegar. Now, the caveat here is that this was funded by a Japanese uh, company that makes apple cider vinegar. And uh, there haven't been other studies that I'm aware of that have corroborated that. So you have to sort of uh, take that for what it's worth. There are some theoretical reasons why it may be beneficial when it comes to weight. First of all, maybe it helps people feel more full. That could be beneficial when it comes to weight. Also, Yeah, it also tastes disgusting, so it makes <laughs> you not want to eat anything. I'm sorry. It well, just does. obviously, it's got a very strong flavor, <laughs> and so it's not everybody's uh, cup of tea, so to speak. Also, it may help reduce spikes in blood sugar 
when you eat a high-carb meal. And again, that's not direct evidence that can lead to weight loss, but it's possible it may help. So those are areas where it may have some effect, but again, it's really unproven. Uh, All these other things uh, that are claimed for it, everything from uh, helping with your blood pressure to warding off cancer, all those things, there's really little or no evidence for those. Um, As you say, it's got a strong flavor. Um, Also, there are some downsides. It can erode tooth enamel, so because it's acidic. Um, also, it can uh, damage your esophagus if you drink a lot of it. So I think... Uh, well, if you drink it straight. So a lot yes, of people put straight, it in water. Yes, drink it straight, which is why it's a good idea to dilute it. That's absolutely right. And that is, does it dilute the power of it? Like somebody else was asking me, is it the same if you just drizzle it on your salad? Um, or if you dilute it in some water, hot or cold, does it matter in any way? Or as long as it gets into your system, it's okay? As long as it gets into your system. And that actually might be a better way to do it, as you say, to put it on your salad and it's also more obviously uh, potentially a lot more palatable to do it that way. Great. Okay. So like I was with my mom the other day and she was complaining because she has heel spurs. And so of course I just immediately whip out my phone and I start Googling how you can like heal the heel spurs. And the number one thing that kept popping up was to take a foot bath in apple cider vinegar. So of course I went out and bought like big giant bottles of it and was sticking my mom's feet in the bathtub with the apple cider vinegar. Is that just crazy or have you heard anything I am like not that? aware of any studies that show when it comes to that, but I will say that the marketing of apple cider vinegar has been brilliant because there are, you know, vinegar traditionally has been a, a, a remedy for all kinds of things and there are properties of vinegar uh, that may help, but why apple cider vinegar, uh, that type of vinegar, would be more beneficial than others is really unclear. It may be more of a matter of marketing than anything else. Really? So you're saying that there are no studies that differentiate the different types of vinegar, it's just that apple cider vinegar has a better publicist? Uh, it's, it would appear that there have been at least uh, been able to create a lot more buzz around it than other kinds of vinegar. Interesting. It also sounds more appealing, apple cider. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on, let us go to another topic that we hear a lot of questions about, and that is the subject of milk. And milk has been in the news a lot lately because now there's an issue of whether or not you can call things, you know, milks that are not from an actual cow or from an animal milk, which is a whole other topic that we're not going to get into. But as far as dairy milk versus non-dairy milk, what are your thoughts on, you know, how it affects weight loss and various other things that people are buzzing about? Right. Well, you know, we, at least most of us has grown up hearing, you got to drink milk, right? Mm-hmm. Cow's milk. Everybody needs milk for strong bones. We've had commercials that have been bombarded at us for years. Uh, milk does a body good and all the rest. Uh, the truth is that the evidence uh, shows that milk is not necessary to have strong bones or to be healthy. Surprisingly, what the, what the studies show is that people who drink milk, and these are studies that have followed people over many years, hundreds of thousands of people, that those people who drink milk do not have a lower risk of bone fractures than people who don't drink milk. And so that milk does not necessarily protect against bone fractures, despite what we've heard over and over and over from the milk industry. Well, is it the calcium in the milk that's supposed to protect you, your bones? Yes, exactly. But the question is, um, whether that calcium that you're getting from the milk really makes a difference when it comes to fractures. It can increase your bone density, but it doesn't necessarily lead to fewer fractures. And I might add, in countries where they don't drink milk, countries like India and Japan, where they don't consume dairy products at the levels we do, you would expect them to have more bone fractures. In fact, they don't. They have fewer bone fractures, lower rates of bone fractures. So what that suggests is that your bone health has a lot more to do 
with other things perhaps than how much calcium or how much tr- milk you're drinking. Like, it's like how active you are? Activity levels, hormones, sunlight exposure because of vitamin D. It's a complicated issue that's far more complicated than how much milk you drink. So, so the bottom line there is that milk is okay to drink. It, it has it's a good source of protein. It's a good source of certain nutrients. Uh, if you like milk, it's fine to drink, but it's by no means necessary, a necessity for good health. Especially if you're lactose intolerant. Yes, and, and there are downsides. There's a, for people that are lactose intolerant, also uh, it has been linked several cups a day to higher risk of prostate cancer, so that there are some downsides to drinking dairy milk. So if you don't like milk or don't want to drink milk for whatever reason, that's perfectly okay. Um, but at the same time, if you do like it, you shouldn't fear that somehow it's, it's dangerous. Good to know. I mean, I drink a lot of milk, but not a lot of dairy milk. And I use milk because I like the way it tastes. And for me, I like my, whether it's oatmeal or coffee drinks, I like it to be creamy. So like the home run for me is almond milk, which the kind I drink has 25 or 30 calories a cup, which is a third of the calories or less than even even skim milk. And the flavor is phenomenal. And since I am not a person, I eat so much protein that I'm not looking to get protein from my milk. Nut milk is the way to go. So for me, I think it's really good in, for weight loss. But there have been issues in people discussing whether or not dairy in itself is good or bad for weight loss. Do you have any opinions on that? Well, you know, for quite a while, the dairy industry ran ads saying that dairy could help with weight loss. And eventually they were forced by the government to discontinue those ads because it said it was dece- they said it was deceptive advertising, that they were overstating the case for the uh, effects of dairy on weight. So I would say that the, uh, the evidence is not really there that dairy is particularly helpful for, for uh, weight loss. It perhaps can fill you up. Well, was that the claim, that it makes you full so you're not eating as much? What was the actual claim as it relates to weight loss? It was just there's something inherent in dairy that leads to lower weight and without specifying beyond that. And so I think that the evidence, again, does not necessarily support that. And you're right that... Um, you will weigh less than the cow. That is guaranteed. <laughs> but you're right that if you're thinking of alternatives, there are alternatives that are lower in calories than dairy, such that as almond better. milk. Exactly. That some, to some people taste better. I think it's, it's great that there are, are all these you know, growing number of alternatives that are now on the market. Uh, every time I go to the grocery store, it seems there's some new kind of... Uh, uh, non-dairy milk available. And so there it's just a matter of what is the thing that matters most to you? Is it calories? Is it protein? Because almond milk is great when it comes to calories, but it's not so great. It's very low in protein when it comes to protein. So, and then there's the option of soy milk, which is higher in protein than almond milk and other nut milks, but also some people have issues with soy. Yeah, soy so I think it's a matter of people. looking at the label and deciding what issue or issues are most important to you and deciding which milks are going to be best for you. And, and by the way, I know you mentioned soy, but so many people, like if we have a recipe and we feature anything involving soy, it's very controversial. And so do you have an opinion on soy, whether it's good for us and who should be avoiding it? Uh, the main concern with soy is that for people that are prone to thyroid problems, who have low thyroid or are prone to lyth- low thyroid, uh, soy can actually make the problem worse, can, can reduce thyroid levels. So that's where I'd say the strongest evidence is that soy may have an effect. Beyond that, though, people are concerned about increased risk of cancer. There have been a number of studies, and they by and large have failed to show that soy contributes to cancer. Um, Also, in men, sometimes it's uh, accused of having a feminizing effect, a result in men having men boobs, things like that. Really? Uh, Yeah, that that it uh, lowers testosterone levels. Uh, So a lot of... uh, That it makes you grow boobs? 
Then why yeah. don't why don't women just drink more <laughs> of it? I don't understand. So so again, there's a, no real evidence there that it has a feminizing effect, but there's some people uh, that avoid it for that reason. So there's a lot of, I think, misinformation swirling around soy uh, that makes a lot of people avoid it, think it's bad for you, uh, but the evidence doesn't really bear that out. Fascinating. Okay, Robert, you are incredible. Like you are always there with the right answers. I'm sure people would love to know more about you. Tell us in a in a flash where and how they can get more of you, the Healthy Skeptic. Well, thank you. In a flash, you can go to uh, healthyskeptic.com where there's more information about my work, about some videos, all the videos I produce. Also, you can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram, the Healthy Skeptic. Yeah, and you can find your books on Amazon. Go you. Thank you. Okay, Robert, that was amazing. As usual, you have shed light on so many subjects, and we always love having you around to just give us the straight-up skinny on a lot of things we're confused about. So if you want more information about what you heard in this episode, you can go to hungry-girl.com slash foodcast. And, of course, you can review us on iTunes And if you don't get Hungry Girls daily emails, what's wrong with you? You really need to subscribe. So you can do that at hungry-girl.com. And as always, if you just want to say hi or send a note or tell us anything, you can drop us a note at suggest at hungry-girl.com or at podcast at hungry-girl.com. We always love hearing from you. That's it. Wrapping things up. Don't forget to tune in next week. We have a breakfast awards episode. That is a pretty incredible one. So do not miss that. And that's all I've got. I got to get back to work. I'm Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Till next time, chew the right thing.